Welcome to Hope Church. Hi, thanks for joining us online. My name's Ross. I'm the senior pastor here at Hope Church and excited to be continuing through our journey of fruit of the Spirit. And today, as Mark said, patience. And just to kind of recap where we've been walking through so far, we've been looking at each individual characteristic that's delivered to us in Galatians 5 and called fruit of the Spirit. And how we can live in step with the Spirit uh, and God's concern for our salvation, but also our transformation in Christ. And so we see this process of transformation coming purely from the Holy Spirit within us through our journey of walking with the Spirit, uh, as Paul would mention in Galatians 5. And so if you weren't here earlier when we started the series, Galatians 5.22 starts something going like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. And today we're, we're focusing on patience. And there's many more to come, but we're going to stop there and dive in. Our passage for this morning comes from James 5, 7 through 11, and I'm going to read it to you here. We'll open in prayer, and we'll kind of dive into where the Lord will be leading us this morning. Let's read in James 5, 7 through 11. It says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word as we begin to open it, and uh, we want to hear from you. And so I've used, as you use James, the, the brother of Jesus and a leader in the church writing here today, God, I just pray that you would help us see the context for what it's worth then and how you are speaking to us even through it now. That as we learn and grow with you, Lord, that you would remind us of what it looks like to be patient in you and by your spirit within us. So God, be with us. We trust you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Patience. We already know we live in a cultural world that lacks patience, right? Uh, well, naturally, truly, like we, uh, in, our, in our consumerism uh, culture, we lack patience, right? Businesses that can't get us the things we need within two days or less, we will choose not to shop at. So thank you, Amazon, for two days or less, right? We all just feel that. <laughs> Listen, I'm the next biggest fan of one-click, two-day shopping, but I know it's cultivating a mindset and ability of impatience in my life. Uh, this last weekend, we were in Chicagoland, and we did uh, years of ministry there, and I was at a former student's graduation party. Um, and we were, during this time, you know, I, I personally love Chicago traffic, truly, I do. But it's crazy, right? And Chicago traffic's so crazy because it shows the pure heart of impatience of people, you know why? Because I was, as I was taking 53, which kind of runs into 90 in the Schaumburg area, what happened is a car line of about 100 cars is waiting to get off to get on 90. And what is the first inclination of many in that line to do? Because they need to get somewhere faster. To cut out of the line and get as close to the exit as possible and then try to cut back in. You know what I'm saying? Like they're lacking patience to wait. 
And uh, I didn't do that. Uh, my wife can attest I didn't do that, so I'm, I'm proud of myself. But when it comes to patience, though, I want to invite you on a journey that is so close and dear to us because each and every one of us, including myself, we struggle with patience. We are impatient, hurried people. Yet here in this passage, in, in Galatians specifically, and then also James 5, as we unravel it, we are invited into greater patience with the Lord and with others throughout our whole life. And by the way we walk in patience can show honor to the Lord, honor to those around us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Patience. Maybe you're at home and you have smaller kids. You're recognizing your lack of patience. Maybe your students are kids in the room, right? I see you around. Maybe you, you look at your parents and you're lacking some patience. Am I right? Students are like, yeah. Kids are like, yeah. Come on, mom. I need my things faster. If you're anything like my son Baker, who is a year and a half, he runs like this. His body is faster than his legs, right? He's lacking patience to get to point B. So he runs like this and then often falls. But patience will only do him good. Why? Because patience will show him to walk slower until his legs can keep up, but also prevent falling in the near future. Similar with patience with us, I believe it's a very healthy practice for us to walk in. But beyond that is a gift by the Spirit God wants to give us to walk in, wants to give us to walk in. So this morning, as we dive into that, we're going to kind of define patience together. Uh, we're going to look at patience between us and God, and then patience between each other, people in the room, you, you, each other, and the people you'll see later today or tomorrow or this week or next year, whatever. We're going to look at patience and what it means for us in our life and how we can put it to practice. So what is patience? What is patience? Patience is the ability to face hardship without blowing up or giving in. See, patience is the ability to face hardship without blowing up or giving in. Patience is necessary through hard times. And even some good ones too. See, patience goes a really long way because in patience, we need to practice it with God, like I mentioned, but also with each other. We need to practice patience with God and with each other. Um, here, here's kind of how we can be patient, right? Uh, like when we're patient, we honor God through our life and we honor others. So honor is kind of this bigger word for we respect or pay attention to, right? When we're patient through life, we, we bring honor to God and honor to those around us because we're patient with both of them. Yet when we lack patience, we often disregard God in our lack of patience and disregard others around us too. This disregard is to pay no attention to, lack respect, um, uh, throw to the wayside. And now we're like, including me, feel that feeling of like, man, I'm so impatient, right? But there's hope, there's truth. And so in this process of growing in patience, maybe we need to think on an example of what patience with God might look like. Because oftentimes throughout our life, we may feel that our plans or our desires, our wants, are greater than what God could bring. And so we grow increasingly impatient and forcefully make decisions or do things to hope to spur something on to happen in our life. We've grown impatient with God. Or maybe you've grown impatient with others. And like my example in Chicagoland, cutting someone in the massive line of cars. Or if you're a student or kid in the room, cutting someone in the lunch line. Am I right? 
If you're a student or kid in the room, you know that lunch line gets really long, okay? I used to be like you, all right? So when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, this lunch line would grow so long, and I'm impatient, I'm hungry, all right? And the lunch lady was slow, okay, in my mind. And she was doing her great, a great job, actually, but I'm impatient, she's slow. So what do I do, right? Similar to your parents in cars, maybe, if you've been there. I would look to the person as close to the beginning of the line and be like, what do I need to talk to that person about? Be like, a new bike that I haven't gotten. So I'm going to measle my way up there. Oh, excuse me, hang on. Hey, hey, Jake, uh, I'm going to get a new bike soon, you know, and it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, hey, sorry, I'm having a conversation real quick, guys, you know, big, long line. And then all of a sudden, it's like, next in line, you know, and then I'm like, oh, let's continue this conversation. And all of a sudden, I'm in the line. Next. You know what I'm saying? And, and I've, lacked, I've lacked patience to find myself in that opportunity of getting food first and cutting in line. Kids, students, you know that. You find you lack patience with your friends, with your parents, with your teachers. So much so that you want to cut in line or do things that show you lack it. But every person has a problem with patience, and I believe as God wants to direct us today, ways to grow in it. So we're going to be in James chapter 5, James 5, and James is the brother of Jesus, like I mentioned in my prayer, uh, the brother of Jesus and a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so James 5, 7, we see this statement that we've read before, but we'll dive into together today on patience. James 5, 7 says this, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And so in this season, James, he's the same James that earlier in this book of James mentions considering it joy when we face trials, right? And we've learned through some of that in our talk through joy, our time through joy, but, but also in this scenario, he's then uh, commending, exhorting patience in our life through enduring hard times, and he, he, he gives us some key phrases here that remind us of why patience is so important and why we must endure. One is until the Lord's coming. The Lord is set to return. We must be patient for his return and the fullness we'll find in him beyond this life when he gets here. So we must be patient. But then also he gives us this illustration about a farmer. And hear me out. I'm not a farmer, but I think I get it. And maybe we can get it together. Because he says this, right? See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rain. So he gives this illustration. Be patient for the Lord. Similar, seeing how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Like I said, I'm not a farmer, but if I were to guess, and I didn't interview a farmer, so some farmers in the first service came to me and said, hey, this is, you did pretty good, you know, way more work than you said, but it's generally true. So I, I think I can say it again. Okay, so generally for a farmer, if we're going to grow to learn and know, if you're not a farmer, okay, and if you are, you can reprimand me later, but generally it's this process of preparing, planting, and then harvesting, but between that planting and harvesting is waiting. And oftentimes, if you know a farmer in your life or a friend or the farmers I've met are the most patient people ever. Why? Because their lifestyle requires it, right? There's nothing they can do between the planting and the harvest besides be patient and wait. What, what is James then saying to wait for? 
the rains that will come to cultivate the crop, right? They've done the preparation, they've done the planting, but they must wait for the rains to bring the fruit to be. But, but what's interesting about a farmer that you may learn is that they don't wait uh, in kind of laziness or apathy. And we'll talk a bit more about that in, in a little bit, but they don't wait kind of lazily. They wait with anticipation and, and, and patience and, and seeing and growing and seeing how things are going and saying, I, I want to make sure to tend well in my patient season for the rains to come so that the best crop could grow. And so we're seeing these clues that James is pointing to us, how, how a farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently, waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Then he says in verse 8, the twist, you too be patient and stand firm because, again, this reminder, the Lord's coming is near. So contextually for James and the people, the Lord's coming still be near. Contextually for us and as we follow Christ, the Lord's coming still be near. He's yet to return we are in the waiting, the patient endurance through this present life. And so we're seeing the, the, this beautiful illustration, these moments, and what it pointed out to me is that similar to a farmer, and point number one for you today, we need to grow in shifting our perspective when it comes to patiently waiting and growing in patience with the Lord. Remember, we're going to overview like our patience with the Lord and patience with each other. When it comes to patience with the Lord, we need to shift our perspective. See, farmers have that perspective shift. It's part of their forceful daily rhythm. They have to shift back and say, Lord, you got to bring the rain. Uh, You got to make that happen. I've done everything I can and I must patiently wait. But again, not apathetically, not just like with no care, but with trust and wanting but I've got to endure during the season of heat wave or dry spout. I've got to do my best to, 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 to cultivate and be, be near you in this process, Lord, of farming, as simple as it may sound. See, farmers have learned to shift our perspective and, and like the statement, stand firm, I believe as followers of Jesus in the way of patience, we need to learn to shift our perspective to the Lord's timing and what he can do, which is out of our control. See, in farming, what we didn't mention so far that we're now getting to is they prepare, they plant, they harvest, but between the plant and the harvest, everything is out of their control. It's with God. It's with what he brings. It's with the pace he would allow. And that, my friends, when it comes to our life and walking with patience, we really wrestle and struggle with that. Because our perspective can be so narrow to what I need and what I want, God. So we're going to forcefully act and do things or, or, or disregard instead of growing patience and honor. But yet, when we shift our perspective and understand who's at hand and the Lord we can trust, we can say things like this. God, I trust you in this season of waiting. Father, I know you're near to me. And I want to lean in and trust patiently for what you'll bring even when it's tough. We can change and shift our perspective. We see this in the farmer. We can see it in our lives. And we'll we'll wrap back to that near the end. James gives a great example we'll get to in the way of patience too. But let's continue on in James 5, 9. We're going to sit in this verse together. James 5, 9 is um, powerful to say the least because then James goes from this example of patience like a farmer then into verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Point number two for today is don't grumble. 
James says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. And who's he addressing in that moment? Us, the church, right? He's addressing those who faithfully follow and seek after Christ. And so what's the big deal with grumbling? James must think it's a big deal because his statement isn't, hey, just, don't, just try not to grumble, okay? You guys got it. James says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be what? Judged. And not only that, the judge is standing at the door. So what's the big deal with grumbling, James? I mean, come on, we can do a little grumbling here and there, right? No. Grumbling, what is it? It's just complaining in a bad-tempered way. And it can get so aggressive sometimes that we do it within our own, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, some people, I guess it's a debate kind of. Do, do, does everyone have like a narrative in your own mind? Yes. <laughs> no? Okay. Yes, I, me too. Not the narrative, but it's like, I forget what it's called. So there was this debate I saw online. It was like this, this narrative in your mind. Either way, though. Um, we can talk ourselves through grumbling, right? Wrestling with our own heart. Like, God, what's this grumbling? Like, this person did this. So grumbling is this complaining about something or someone in a bad way. And James doesn't stop there. He brings judgment to the table when it comes to grumbling. Well, why? Let's think about that. So grumbling's deeper than just saying, well, he said, she said, meh, meh, meh. Okay? There's a deeper heart issue going on with grumbling that he's pointing out in the way of patience. See, grumbling at the deep heart level issue is more than just complaining or saying all these things in your heart or to other people, which we'll talk about in a second. But it's actually the deep heart issue of we've lost patience with those around us. We've lost patience with that person. And not only that, we're actually disregarding them. We're writing them off. We're saying they could do no good. If you, if you remember in some of your grumblings, not to pull those back up, but if you think back, our grumblings typically end with, well, forget them. Well, to it with them. Well, whatever with them. Students, kids, you might have some grumbles, right? In this age of growing and learning, you have a relationship strain. And what's some of your first flesh, what's some of the first things you want to do? Well, just whatever with them. I'm out. I'm done. The patience here and endurance and enduring times like that is what the Lord's calling us to. The patience here is so profound that it causes us not to grumble if we walk in it. The patience causes us not to grumble if we walk in it. And that's what James is saying here. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Oftentimes, grumbling leads into another G word we call gossip. And between grumbling and gossip, um, there, there's no good that comes out of either. You, you know maybe some about gossip, right? Gossip uh, can be really tough and hard and harsh. At the end of any scenario where I found myself in grumbling and gossip, there's never been a healing moment at the end besides my conviction and repentance, right? It's never, it's never led to further relationship or unity between me and the person I'm in grumbling or gossip with. Unless I said, if it's in repentance and relationship, like repentance and forgiveness, all that. Just the pure grumbling and gossip never has. If you have an example, I truly would love to hear it, how grumbling and gossip has brought more unity to you and the person you're grumbling and gossiping with, truly. Because I've never found that it has with me. 
And, and that's this, this point of grumbling and gossip that it's so harming and damaging. It only divides. It only misrepresents. It only seeks what is not true, what is not loving, what, what it does not bring peace. It does not bring joy. It divides. And James is saying, don't do this grumbling. He didn't mention gossip. I'm, I'm just mentioning that as an afterthought. Don't do this grumbling for you will be judged by the depth of it that's happening in your heart. May we not grumble, friends. And I want you to hear this as humbly as I've prayed to say it. And so if you could stick with me, this is a moment I like to call, uh, we get on the edge of our seat and lean in. Because I want you to hear it well, and not because I'm anything negative, it's just humbly. Because as I've been processing this for myself and for our church and praying for you, I've recognized that when, when change happens and hardships come through change, also comes grumbling. When change is in our midst, we tend to often grumble. It's just natural. I do. We, all, all of us do. It's me too. And uniquely as a church, we're in a big moment of change. We're in a big moment of change. Naturally, in senior pastor transition, it does happen to do with me. Uh, you see that I'm a different age than Pastor Matt before, or hopefully you do. Maybe you think I'm super old. You must be 80. Maybe I look that way. I don't know. I don't think 80 super old, by the way. I was just saying that. I don't think Matt's super old. I'm not saying that. But you get what I'm saying. And age change and, and priority shift and God calling and cultivating a new path for us as a church and leadership. That it's not about me. It's not about Pastor Matt. It's not. It truly isn't. It's about what God wants for his church through us together. But so uniquely, we're in the season of change, which oftentimes brings hardship and grumbling. But what if, Hope Church, we were the church that heeded to James and his advice right here to don't grumble against one another, but yet instead chose love and trust and hope and truth first? Those are all things against grumbling and gossip. What if we, we heeded the advice, the command, the call, and chose not and, and again, I preface that with humility, not to say that I've, I hear grumblings or anything interesting, weird like that, but just truly, just uh, what if we were the church that showed the world the way of how to handle change and trust with God and love with one another? I pray that would be true about myself, about each and every one of you, our church. If we continue in James 5, verse 10, it says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So here we get to this example that I kind of forementioned before of this guy named Job that James is pointing out. So James points out this guy, Job. Who, who is Job? Let me give you a quick lesson if you haven't heard. Job, it's a book uh, throughout Scripture about a man. And essentially, God gives this limited permission to Satan uh, to test Job. And so he does, and throughout this process, Job loses everything, his family, his wealth, and even his own personal health. But throughout this book, we see Job endure and persevere in the way of patience with the Lord. And James is connecting this dot for us, right, in this passage. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, look to Job. 
We can also, even in a greater way, look to Jesus, right? Jesus in the face of patience through suffering, who lost it all, even his life on earth, so that we may gain life through his loss of life, death, and resurrection, and where we stand today, and praise, and honor, and glory, and commitment, and surrender. So, so he's pointing out, Job, we, we see clearly Jesus too, right? But in this example of Job, it's so interesting because throughout Job's life, and if you were to go back and read it, you could read it this week, the book of Job. Throughout his life, he had this persistent patience with the Lord's allowance in his life, what, what was happening. Even so much so that his friends would come around and be like, it must be some sort of sin. They would do like, uh, you know, have these hard conversations. And so, so Job had this perspective shift of like, God's in control. He's got this. I can trust him. I can patiently wait for what he has to bring in this, whatever it may be, even when I don't know in the moments and that we fully can see now in the book. But also he chose not to grumble and his friends would come along and grumble kind of for him. Well, it must be sin. We'll do this just for sake just die, whatever. But yeah, in this example that James is trying to connect us to and connect his readers to is this example of pure patience in a time of hardship. Even when Job didn't know the outcome, he chose patience and trust, perspective shift, and not to grumble with the Lord or even with those around him. Point number three for you today, when we reflect on God's compassion and mercy, it produces patience within us. When we can reflect on these stories before that James is mentioning in Job, but also in our own personal life, we can actually in turn take a step and grow in the way of patience that's been produced in us in a past season or even a current one to look forward to and walk in today. Because that patience that's been cultivated in our, in our life, and we see here in James, you have heard, you have seen, the same for your life, you've heard, you've seen of the Lord's compassion and mercy for you and yet are called into greater patience with him today through whatever you may face. In the middle of that season, Job didn't know the fullness of the outcome of God's compassion and mercy and blessing that we see, and we won't get fully into it until we study it sometime. But in the same in our life, when we have these tensions of, of hardship and we're, we're met with a need for endurance and patience in a season, we surely don't know the outcome. And similar to the farmer, we're at that same place of uncertainty, but needing the perspective change and the heart transformation to patiently wait, to patiently endure, to patiently step. Not in apathy, saying God to whatever with you until it happens, but in persistent, patient, um, just persistent, patient, leaning in, passion, devotion, trust, surrender, and as we close our morning, uh, I want to encourage you that when it comes to this patience, we are to exemplify in our characteristics of following God by his Holy Spirit within us. It's not like we can just try more and hope it works out. Well, actually, we need to focus on what has worked out for us. Second Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, we can't try our way out of the equation of patience and hope it works out. We need to focus our perspective on the patient God in which we've been redeemed and have found mercy and compassion. And then find ourselves in moments 
of wanting to display and share that same compassion and mercy we've so found in him. Not by our own power, but by the fruit of the Spirit within us. This, this week we've chosen pineapple to represent our patience, because if you think of a pineapple, it takes all the patience in the world to cut it. I mean, truly, <laughs> truly. You gotta buy that special tool that like twists it out of there and does some special cork thing, like it corks the middle out and then you got the whole thing. And maybe I just haven't done it well. But through this, my prayer for you is not that pineapple is super spiritual. God said, pineapple needs to be patience for my people. We're, we're just trying to be creative on how we can remind ourselves of this patience that God's had with us that we are called to share between each other, but also walking with the Lord to begin with. And so my prayer for you is as you see a pineapple, you eat it, you'd be reminded of the very patience God has practiced with you. And through that way of patience, renewing patience by his mercy and compassion, you may practice it with others around you, but also through your seasons of life. When things are going so, uh, the wrong, it feels like the wrong way, it's going crazy, but yet you can stop and say, God, I'm patient through the process you, for whatever you're allowing here. I'm patient for what you are up to because I trust in you. My perspective is different. I choose not to grumble in you, but trust in your everlasting way, your plan, your will to be done. You can then say things like, God, I am losing patience for the person around me. Would you help me use the patience I've received from you and share it with them in my life? God, I'm losing patience in the season of hardship. Would you help me have perspective to trust you patiently to provide or to show me a way or, or, or to show up in some miraculous way I need in sickness in uh, relationship struggle or, or tension at home, uh, wherever it may be, workplace. God, I need the patience that, that, that from you that, to, to walk through this hard season. May we grow in it each and every day and learn to trust in it by the work of Christ in us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for um, the way you have been teaching me patience this last many weeks. Um, I humbly come before you. We humbly come before you, Lord, and ask for more uh, of direction and, and, and steps in the way of patience and that we would grow to characterize patience the way that you would, but by the transformation that's happening in us by what you've given. You've given us all the mercy, compassion, and grace by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to endure today forevermore until you return, Jesus. But may we grow in it. May we trust you in the trial and the hardship. God, we love you and ask for this week, would you illuminate patience like a pineapple we can eat? <laughs> I just pray we're reminded by the beauty that you've created of patience.